Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Good and Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at gunnageeknetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this week's episode, Sonic hits a speed record at the box office. Have we gone earbud crazy? And what are we looking forward to in streaming this month? All this and more as we once again delve into... The Pop Culture Cosmos. Welcome to the Pop Culture Cosmos. And we're back with another episode of the Pop Culture Cosmos. This is Gerald Glassman from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source, and also Inside Sports Fantasy Football and the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Thank you so much for listening to all of our great programs. And please, if you can out there, please make sure you give us that five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to our shows. Subscribe, or if you really like our show, tell a friend about our show, because if they like pop culture as much as you do, I'm sure they'll want to hear the latest from all of us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. Well, it wouldn't be a Pop Culture Cosmos without my good friend. He's our own AirPod of Pop Culture Cosmos. You got to check out what he's doing today at popculturecosmos.com, popculturecosmos.wordpress.com, his great podcast, Topicocalypse, and his awesome book, Congratulations, You Suck. It is my good friend. It is Josh Peterson. What's up, man? I'm just reading about how Cats is now the Guinness Book of World Records' largest box office flop. See, that's the thing. When you read all these articles about what is the biggest flop, it's all relative to inflation and all that, so... I see where one is supposedly the biggest flop, and then you hear about another, these biggest flop, and you hear about another, the biggest flop. So it's all relative to inflation. So I know there's been a, quite a bit of flops out there, and the cats is something that is obviously going to lose a lot of money. But how much money is it projected to lose when all is said and done? So it's heading for a $100 million box office loss. See, that's a pretty heavy loss. And again, it's still relative to whatever, you know, the, the time period and far as the, the amount of dollars is. Because first of all, there's been bombs galore. I'll, I'll say Heaven's Gate, for instance. That one came out way, way long ago from Michael Cimino. And also there was just a whole bunch of backlash on that film. And that one cost a whole bunch of money at the relative time. And if you translate it in today's dollars, could have lost, I think, around that same amount. So, yeah, it just all depends on how you look at it. I know you talked about John Carter before and several other movies that we've gone over in the past as far as Birds of Prey may not even make its money back. And that's yeah. something that does have some relative good word of mouth. I mean, there's people out there that think very highly of it. And unfortunately, it's not going to meet any type of numbers that Warner Brothers was aiming at. I think that movie will at least break even simply because of the fact it didn't cost as much as the normal superhero movie these days you know the 150 200 million type deals that it, i don't think it actually costs anywhere near that amount so i think that it's is it saving grace going forward right i mean you had mentioned movies like john carter right so john carter's it's, it's a very interesting case study because it is a movie that yeah it lost a lot of money but in the end it's like even right now it's the the cost is starting to balance out so it's it's one of those things where uh, people did it had a good word of mouth. People were entertained by it. It's it's one of, you know, Netflix's more viewed films, but it's just it did not perform well. And uh, whereas Cats is like, this is the first thing the inter- it seems like the internet has ever agreed on in my lifetime that Cats is just a bad movie. Yeah, that is universally loathed. I will say that. But then again, there's also other movies like, uh, you know, for its time, The Adventures of Pluto Nash with Eddie Murphy. That one was a dismal performing movie that was also very high cost. I know there was the 
Keanu Reeves movie? Was it 47 Ronin or was that the 13th Warrior? I think it was 47 Ronin. 47 Ronin, yeah. Yeah, that that one was a big time money loser. So, I mean, you have to actually take all these movies from the past that lost a substantial amount for its time and actually look into it exactly how much is it relative to today. So that's, I mean, it's kind of hard to figure out because, again, you're talking about a lot of money that is expected to lose when it comes to cats. I mean, Blade Runner 2049, if you look on Wikipedia and you say maybe, oh, that could be on the list too. Since it came out on video and digital, it's something that has probably gained its money back and probably earned a profit because of the fact that it has been one of the best-selling non-Disney, non-Marvel movies over the past three years since it came out on video. I have a sneaky suspicion that it's probably turned a little bit of a profit when all is said and done. But in the movie theater, since it only earned about $260 million and it was like really costly to make. So at the time it came out in the theaters, it may have turned a loss upwards of maybe 50, 70, 80 million dollars. So if you go on Wikipedia or you go on all these other sites, Box Office Mojo, the numbers or any of these other sites, it's all a relative term. And I know there's all these articles all over that love to pop up every now and then say, hey, this is the biggest money loser of all time. You know, you check out the list there and see what they think of exactly which ones are the biggest bombs of all time. So to me, it's all relative to what is the perception. Like I said, it's with Cats, I think there's a universally pan movie. So I don't see any love for that film going forward. And it's just like the same kind of debate you would have for what is the best movie ever. You would, yeah, you know, it's, it's yeah. I mean, that's a very subjective thing, you know. And in a way, this is too, even yeah, if you look at the numbers. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I suppose. I mean, you know, I don't, you know, you know more about the box office stuff than I do, but I just, I, I feel like it's, you know, in this era where it is really hard to, yeah, and I get, yeah, you're true. There's a lot of factors going into that, and especially, I mean, the Lone Ranger cost more it cost and it lost lot. more money. Yeah, I actually didn't think that that was a bad movie, though. I just think that it didn't find its audience. And again, like I said, it's it's to me, it's a somewhat relative thing, even though the numbers are supposed to be in black and white. You, you'd have to put in a perspective of if you took said movie from 2005, whatever it was, that was the biggest money booster there. And you put it in the context and frame of whatever it is in 2020, then you could get a better idea as far as how much this movie would have lost had it been released in 2020 and then you can really gather to see what is the biggest bomb rather than just saying hey cats is the biggest bomb because i don't think they took all the quantifiers into it because i think there was a lot of other films over the course of time outside of cats that may have lost just as much money as cats so i don't know that's neither here nor there but uh, yeah i just it's a question that may be left unanswered with a 100 percent validated true answer but still, Cats is a stinker any which way you say it. Well, we got a great show coming up for you. We're going to be speaking about movies that are a success when you were talking about Sonic. And we'll talk about that here in a sec. But we're also going to be talking about some of the movies that we would like to see as a video game movie adaptation based on the success of what happened this weekend with Sonic the Hedgehog. Plus also with the craze that is going on with Apple's AirPods. And I'm like, gosh, they're they're just... It, people are just getting so excited to get themselves some AirPods, for, especially for all those Apple owners out there that really love to go ahead and get this as an accessory. Like you, Josh, are there any other great alternatives? We're going to talk about some alternatives that I've reviewed in the recent past and see if they match up with what everybody's listening to. In fact, you could be listening to us with your AirPods. And then also we're going to be talking briefly about Stranger Things Season 4 because the first trailer just dropped. And also what we're watching right now when it comes to streaming and what we're looking forward to as well. But first, my friend, it is Sonic the Hedgehog at the box office. It is a monstrous hit right now for the video game industry because Sonic the Hedgehog debuted to what's looking like over the four-day weekend close to $70 million domestically and well over $100 million worldwide, which is going to end up being the biggest start ever for a video game movie adaptation, which Sonic the Hedgehog, it's getting good word of mouth. People are talking about it. Cinema score is an A. 
So that's a great sign for the movie going forward. That could create some some great legs for it and basically let it have a long life at the box office. But this is a big hit. No mistake about it. It hasn't even debuted in China yet and probably won't for some time due to the, the issues and obviously concerns that they have right now health-wise with the coronavirus and all that. So I ask you, my friend, Sonic the Hedgehog, huge opening for a video game movie adaptation, the biggest of all time. What does it say when so many people are checking out a really fast Blue Hedgehog? That it's a good movie, that it reached the audiences it meant to. And it, this is where it's at right here, right? Because this is a family film. This is obviously something that has touched a lot of generations, right? My generation, your generation. I mean, I guess you could even go back to say like my dad's generation, uh, you know, in the, the later half of it. But it's like it's one of those things where this is people are who have families now. And, and whether, you know, if your kids played Sonic the Hedgehog or if you they haven't played Sonic the Hedgehog, but this is a way to introduce them to Sonic the Hedgehog. This is great marketing because this is something. Yeah, everywhere I want to see this, you know, I, it doesn't just look good, but it like it appeals to everything that I love about movies and everything I love about video games. And there's probably a lot of parents out there taking their kids to see this movie and a lot of uh, kids who grew up playing Sonic just going to watch the movie, whether or not it's a kid's movie. So it's kind of got it's got an edge in the fact that, you know, not only did it have that great that bunch of free marketing from the, the animation redesigns, but it's got something that it's it's nostalgic you know and i know we always talk about whether or not the nostalgia market is ever going to die but like in this case it really helped this movie out from what i'm reading you get a lot of the old like 90s jim carrey uh type of humor in this and then you have a video game character from the 90s like it's it is something that is one of those it's like the lego movie right there's something there for everybody and i think that's why it's doing so well especially we're in this dry season of movies where, where nothing's coming out it's president's weekend you want to get into the movie theater you want to leave the house for a few for a little bit go to the movie theater kick back watch have some popcorn take your kids uh sonic from what i understand is a pretty clean movie and it's something that doesn't happen a lot and uh it yeah why not go see it i mean that's that's the big that's the big factor right why not i guess why not because when both you and i saw the first trailer i i thought we remarked especially me that it looked really dumb and looked really silly. And I still can't shake that, especially the fact that they're, you know, the way it, it, it's still being perceived in, in the, tr the second trailers and the, you know, even when they, they redid Sonic on it. But yeah, I am going to have to check it out if that's the case, you know, at some point in time down the road. Instead of coming off like a family film to me, it's just coming off like a something a little bit cheesier. But then again, Dora, the Explorer, that movie came out last year, had a similar type of vibe with me. And that, did okay so this is doing even better so i want to ask you especially coming off that original trailer where everybody was scared to death of that hedgehog that they had created and they went ahead and they redid everything on it i, I know i asked you this on friday but can you reiterate why they've had so much success after what they did as opposed to what was done with cats and the fact that you know what everybody is so scared of what was going on with cats and we just talked about how poorly cats have done over the course of its theatrical run cats is something that you would watch with your grandma and you watch it begrudgingly right it was like it's a musical and they had it's it's terrifying and it's so terrifying that a young bruce wayne ran out of the movie theater when he was a child and his parents got shot that was a direct result of cats so no i'm just kidding sorry that was a batman joke Anyways, uh, no, it's just cats. It was it's something that was not something people wanted, right? Sonic the Hedgehog is a beloved property that a lot of people grew up with and have a lot of great memories of. I think that's why Sonic was given so much grace as opposed to cats, because yeah, people and this is something that's really cool too is the fact that look at Sonic, right? It's one of those things everyone was like, it again. We talked about this when the trailer first premiered, right? This is a movie. Yeah, it looks silly and dumb and things like that, but it's, I don't think it's made for us. I think it was made to bring Sonic to a generation of kids who didn't have the luxury of growing up with the Sega Genesis, didn't get to play those 2D platformers, you know? that This is not something that is was made for us, but it's something that they knew we would go see, and they knew that we would take our kids to go see it, and they knew that it would be something that 
you know, and uh, we're all at the, or, you know, me, I'm at the age now where like, I don't get around to go see movies by myself anymore. So why not bring the family? So it's just, it's good fun. And, you know, even with the redesigns, people who, who campaign for that are going to see this movie still. And that's something we, I've never seen the internet do that before. Good for them. Good for them for standing behind their word and actually going to see something that they had a say in changing. Whereas cats was just one of those things where nobody wanted it. It was the cats. The, the trailer for cats was like that, that album that you two made, right? When they snuck it into your iTunes player and you had to listen to it, whether you wanted to or not. Be careful what you say about you two. That was I understand that scared a lot of people, but you know what? I love you too. Even I, though I'm not after, saying they're a bad even, band. Even, I love... even though in this century, their music for the most part has not been as captivating as uh, it was in the previous. Like, Vertigo is actually a really good song. Uh, yeah, and and then there's beautiful day, but that was like at the very beginning of the century. Whereas you know the stuff that they've been doing since 2010 is not it's not clicked with audiences, and I get that. And putting it into everybody's phones that was not the best of moves. No, no that wasn't a good no, one. I'm, yeah, and this is not me. Now, saying if you put pop bad. culture cosmos on everybody's phones, yeah, there we that's go. Okay, just sneak it in there. Yeah, it just it, the the analogy is this though, like. You gave people something that they didn't want. And with Sonic was something people might not have wanted it, but they're still going to go see it because more people have an attachment to it than cats. Right. As I said before, cats was something that like you would watch with your grandma or like a film major and you wouldn't want to watch it. You know, it's one of those movies that you like sit there and watch with your girlfriend because you're obligated to watch that and you don't want to upset her. That's what cats is. But Sonic, the careful, man. Awesome. don't tread too lightly. <laughs> luckily she's not a cats fan so i don't have to worry about that fair enough fair enough okay i was just wanting to make sure you know because once you put that out there once you say it on that mic it's out there it's out there my friend uh, so that you're much more danger than i am it's nice to see that despite what happened with the first trailer and everybody freaking out especially the teeth and all that with sonic the hedgehog it's nice to see that the you know, the, the, they they recognized that, that everybody didn't like it quickly and they made the changes quickly. And it was something that they went ahead and said, you know what, we're going to put it out there that we made the changes already. We listened to everyone out there. And that goes a long way with fans as far as eventually accepting what we're seeing. And you're right. The movie industry right now, people go to the box office, they're hungry for something. And we thought it was going to be birds of prey. You weren't as high on it as I was. And it looks like that wasn't going to be the movie event people were coming back to. Bad Boys for Life did exceedingly well. They're now going to be most likely greenlighting a sequel. It looks like there's some good times coming up for Sonic the Hedgehog. And it very well may end up being the largest grossing video game movie of all time. And we're looking forward to it. What are your thoughts out there on Sonic the Hedgehog? Did you enjoy it? Are you still afraid to see it because of what you saw in that first trailer? Share us your thoughts, PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Also as well, PopCultureCosmos, Humanica Media, and GameSource on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. You're listening to the PopCultureCosmos. Don't touch that dial. Wait, do, do people still use dials? For the latest news and information, analysis, and opinions on the Los Angeles Lakers and the NBA, check out the Lakers Fast Break podcast today on wherever you get your podcasts. Well, my friend, speaking of the success of Sonic, and I'm going to have to go ahead and see it. I mean, if it's obviously doing that well, I'm going to have to go ahead and see what everybody's talking about when it comes to Sonic the Hedgehog at the theaters. And it's getting good word of mouth. It isn't getting the kind of critical praise, I think, that I would have hoped for. But you know what? Still, when it comes to the fans, they're the ones seeing it, and they're the ones going ahead and deciding with their own dollar that they like this certain video game adaptation we talked about it on Friday about other video game adaptations that are in the works. Everything from Uncharted to Crossfire, the popular first-person shooter game, especially overseas from Sony. So I want to ask you, my friend, are there any other video game movie adaptations that you would like to see? I was joking with you that I'd like to see a, a an Assassin's Creed movie, but they did that before, and they pretty much ruined that for the rest of time. So... But yeah, there's still a sequel coming out. You're kidding me. 
No, they're still working on it. I, I keep seeing, uh, I, I've there's I keep seeing whispers of it. You know, it was on Fox's slate. Now it's Disney's slate, but there's still it's still in the works. This is gonna. I think so, and I, I heard also rumors that Netflix was making a Assassin's Creed. Show. I also heard there was going to be another Die Hard, but Disney quickly nixed that one. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I would. I'm sorry, my friend. If I'm sitting down and I'm I'm green lighting either a Die Hard or an Assassin's Creed movie after the Michael Fast. See, there was another bomb right there of that Assassin's Creed. So I merge the universes. That's what yeah, Disney there does. There you go. Okay, yeah. Oh, let's go. Let's go for the Die Hard Assassin's Creed. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Abstergo has been trying to sabotage Bruce McLean's life all this time. Fair enough. But I want to ask you this, my friend. There are some ideas that we have out there as far as video game movie adaptations that have yet to be done. Because you know that's where Hollywood is going to be going next. You know they're going to go ahead and, oh gosh, a video game movie actually made some money. It's broken the curse. The video game curse is finally broken. So where do you go from here? And that's what I want to ask you first, before you go ahead in your list. Do you think the video game curse is finally broken? Because I think it is. I So I've been thinking about this. Yes, I do think the curse is broken. But I also think that studios, especially with Sonic, and you know, you look at James Wan's Mortal Kombat that's coming out, right? Like It, it sounds like that's going to be a big budget flick that takes itself a little more seriously. Uncharted with Tom Holland, yeah, right, because that has Tom Holland in, so there's going to be a nice yeah. budget for that. Yeah, so it's it's yes, I do think that that it's going to break the curse because if you look at this, like video game in film is kind of the last. I don't mean to sound cliched, but it's the last frontier, right? We've we've adapted novels, we've adapted comic books, like video games seems to be the next evolution in film, but now we're at this time where. There are these giant blockbuster video games, right? We have you have your Halos and your God of Wars and your your Mass Effects and things like that. And like you have these big worlds, you have these universes that that could be franchised, but they're they're franchised in video games and they do really well. So uh you know, especially you look at something like Assassin's Creed, had that been put in the 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 hands of somebody who actually plays the game and is actually passionate about it, it could have been amazing. Look at the Witcher, right? You put the Witcher in the hands of Henry Cavill, who's an avid fan of both the game and the books, and look how good that show came out. So it just it feels like the next logical step or the next evolution in in blockbuster films is going to be video games, especially now that people can see they have the potential. So why don't we give them the budget and see what happens? They're already succeeding. There's already a fan base for them. It just it's would feels like it would be a dumb move not to. And I have this feeling that now we're gonna start seeing more old Sega games become properties and i'm hopeful for a couple of them don't tell me a night trap is on the way let's hope well, they, they're not that probably, that's the bottom well, of the barrel okay, that's the bottom of the barrel but they already did that through all those 80s exploitation horror movies so which hence the game came from so they don't have to go back down that road thank goodness you know when it comes to the video game movie adaptations i mean you're right hollywood is going to take a look at that but it's so funny because for all those individuals out there over the course of many years now that have criticized video games as not being art, not being storytelling, not having a narrative, those people are really starting to be proven wrong because of the fact that they, you know, the, the movie industry is taking from the, the video game industry and creating narrative out of it or borrowing liberally from those video games and the video games narratives that are already been made and established within those video games themselves. So it's good to see the video game industry finally take note and say, hey, you know what? We are art. We are telling a story and we are capable of being everything that every other medium can be as well. When you consider music, television, doesn't matter what type of medium. It's an art form all of its own. It's just how you look at it and how you can see it. It can still tell its own narrative. It's also interactive, right? So you have more, it's more immersive than a film would be. You know, I say the same thing with books, right? With books are more immersive because you're getting into the characters' minds and what they're thinking and what they're feeling in these moments. Whereas movies are purely action. You know, you don't have any control over anything that's happening in this movie. And video games, you do. So it's kind of a different experience. But I believe with the right filmmakers, you can't, you can do anything, right? Like, look at, 
James Wan hopefully does good things with uh, Mortal Kombat, but like there are a lot of like if you were to put it in the hands of somebody who has created big universes, you know, Peter Jackson would be one. I would even say Guillermo del Toro could do something amazing with that. Like people who have made worlds, right? People who have built worlds, built creatures within these worlds, built uh, a, a cast of personalities that are you know very diverse like they if they have the ability there are filmmakers out there who have the ability like i wouldn't just give a big video game franchise to be adapted into a film by somebody who doesn't have any experience in it like i look at the resident evil movies right the first one's really good but the rest of them like uh was it paul paul ws anderson was a director of those right yeah i look at those and like he he had never ever played the games you know he just kind of like the idea of it and ran with it so we it if you're given to, if they're given to somebody who's good at their job and they put care into the world and actually you know have pick up the controller play it check it out like if they do that then i think that yeah these things can be adapted and they can be adapted correctly so now that we've established that video games as a medium can be translated well and can also be translated into a profitable venture after so many years and so many attempts by the industry to try and understand how to make a video game movie profitable. They now have. So there's no looking back. So obviously after Detective Pikachu and other you know, similar movies that have garnered at least some type of funds out there, we now have a full success. With, well, you actually, you can look at Angry Birds. The Angry Birds movie was a success, and the Angry Birds 2 came along because of it. We can now look at a future with Sonic the Hedgehog with a sequel and maybe even a franchise out of it. What other video games do you see that you in your heart think that can be successfully adapted into a movie form and be successful at the box office? This first one on my list, I don't know if it can be successfully adapted, but I love it, you know, and it's the LucasArts game. So I would like Armed and Dangerous. That's not to be confused with the John Candy film. But it's just the dialogue is fun. Like it's very, uh, it's very fast paced. Doesn't take itself too seriously. And like I feel like if that were put in the hands of someone like you know, Kevin Smith or uh, someone who is who is capable of making people laugh, I think it could be good. But that is just um, you know that's a, that's a side thought. God of War is one I'd really like to see. I don't know who I would put in the director seat for that one. But it has a universe, almost many universes, you know, it's got a, a rich cast. And it's if you were to take Kratos and do to him what Corey Barlog did for the, the the latest God of War, it could be a great film, right? You have, you know, take the the world of, you know, Norse Norse mythology. And, you know, obviously you'd have to tell his backstory first, but you build a world out of it. Give it to Peter Jackson or someone, someone who has experience in creating these epic set pieces and god of war could be pretty great but also you know it would probably be succeed very well as a netflix series also you know and that can be the the same could be said for a lot of video game properties uh streets of rage is another one i'd like to see you look at you know and i would i would love to see guy Ritchie do something like that because that kind of feels like his flavor of filmmaking there's not a lot of mythology there but it it could be interesting enough you know it could have this like um fast and the furious vibe to it or this snatch vibe to it or even a six underground vibe to it you know i know you said that you were kind of is that was an entertaining film what do you think about fable as a film property mixed yeah i would rather go with dragon age personally okay all right i can see dragon age being one like fable is just it's interesting to me because i wouldn't fable i feel like would be a good series like the witcher you know i don't know if they would like it because they'd be kicking chickens kicking chickens and farting and in public and things like that but yeah i just i feel like fable has a rich enough story and it could actually be because the your protagonist is nameless in that so if you were to do something like the was that bandersnatch right the the one with um choose your own adventure yeah you choose your own adventure like i feel like fable could be just because of the you know the fantasy genre like it could could be great you're listening to the pop culture cosmos get ready for kitty origins evolutions the latest documentary from rob mccallum 
thrusted into heavy metal stardom as teenagers with their debut release, Kitty has thrashed and conquered the heavy metal world for the past 20 years. Kitty has defied industry norms, fought back against women and rock stereotypes, and inspired generations since they appeared. And now, for the first time, they've decided to share their untold story. Generously peppered with archival footage shot by the band, this film gives you an honest and brutal look at what it takes to survive in the music industry. Order the DVD, Blu-ray, and live CD triple pack that features recordings from throughout their 20-year illustrious history from RobMcCallumFilms.com. RobMcCallumFilms.com, your place for awesome stories about awesome people and films worth watching. You know, my last one here, I, I, I'm going to let you talk about one of them, but Mass Effect, right? I know you and I both have a, an affinity for this game franchise. It's a huge universe. Let me know if you think I'm crazy, but I think that Mass Effect... Well, I think you're crazy. (laughs) Well, well, yeah, I am crazy. But like Mass Effect, I feel like it could be the next Star Wars, you know, if it was done correctly. You know, not not to say Star Wars is huge, but Mass Effect is is huge. You know, it it could be that next big sci-fi thing that we haven't had in a, in a long time you know the sci-fi film franchise for a new generation i couldn't agree with you more i've already actually had this somewhat figured out and i wish we could go to pitch this to hollywood or a streaming entity because this would make us a zillion dollars i mean with all the books that are out there already that came out ironically by a writer that just left bioware Drew karpishkin because he just left to the startup development studio by ex bioware employees so that's something to take a look at there for a future there. But yeah, I mean, he created some great books that are really just something to follow that you could start off as prequels to what the original, because the first Mass Effect video game looks to be like, maybe for me, maybe like a second or third film in a whole series of Mass Effect films. I mean, the way the whole Mass Effect universe starts up where humans find the pro the, the stuff left behind by the proteans and left about you know they how they discuss the discovery of the mass effect systems itself you could go ahead and do a film like that then you could go ahead and do a film about the first contact war that could be its own self-contained film plus also as well the precursor events that were done by uh, david anderson and things of that nature those, those which you know emanates from the books and the novels that take place just before the events of mass effect you could go ahead into that as far as even before you go ahead and make a film in regards to Shepard and his events that takes place during the course of the first Mass Effect. I mean, you have a whole series of events you could go ahead and make movies into before and also after Mass Effect 2. Obviously, Mass Effect 3 has a, you know, I know a, an ending that not everybody liked or the way it is structured, but you could make it into its own ending like that. Mass Effect 2, everybody loves. And you could build other stories within those stories along the way. So, yeah, you could actually create, you know, a series of films within the Mass Effect universe that's six, seven, eight, even nine films deep without even ever having to think about going to a Mass Effect Andromeda. Right, exactly. And I would almost say, you know, on top of the movies, like you could do movies, but like some side stories, right? Because there's so many different... You had said side stories, but I feel like that you could do it as like an HBO series, right? You do like a Game of Thrones type thing where there's different episodes being told from different perspectives and, and just following different stories. I was thinking maybe Netflix, like mm-hmm. I get the prequels, and then you would put the Mass Effect, the one from the video game, you would put that onto a movie box office platform. And right. then the movies you, you don't think are going to go ahead and garner as much attention on the big screen you would put on a streaming service again like Netflix and just be able to tell the stories on a big platform, but also a streaming one as well. Right. It's a big universe. Like there's a lot of of stories to be told, a lot of species that could be introduced that are interesting. You know, your Krogans, your Solarians, Corians. There is a lot of opportunity there, you know, and it is an opportunity to create a complete universe, a complete story. Because there's a lot of people who I'm sure like sci-fi stuff but have never played mass effect so this is kind of a it would be a big opportunity for them i'm just curious why no one's ever kind of pulled the trigger on it well legendary films had the rights for many years i don't know if they still do but they had the, the rights to it they had the opportunity and like you said just didn't pull the trigger 
maybe it's because of the backlash of Mass Effect 3 and what happened from that and how that didn't exactly pan out or end the way that they wanted to on the trilogy uh, and how that didn't exactly jive with everybody as far as the way that you were supposed to construct your own ending and it actually didn't work out the way anyone really wanted it to. And even with the modified ending that Bioware made after because of all the backlash it received, it still wasn't exactly what everybody wanted to do. But, you know, as a filmmaker, you could take those events and if you want to make it your final film in the saga, you could go ahead because it is spoilers, everyone. The battle takes place, most of it on Earth. And, you know, the Earth is doomed and looks like that. And it's up to you to save or destroy humanity. So you could go ahead as a filmmaker and rewrite that ending to make it something more satisfying to the individuals out there. So you can go ahead and do that. But yeah, Mass Effect is, is like you said, a treasure chest full of ideas and a universe already there just to be waiting to be mined into. I'll tell you what, my friend, if Mass Effect, whatever Mass Effect that they do next, that Bioware jumps on, if that's a hit, I think people will start to look back into it. I think they'll they'll look back into discovering Mass Effect once again because people will want to go back into the Mass Effect universe once again. And I hope that the trauma behind Mass Effect Andromeda would be a a sign to EA just showing how important these games are. You know, like if they're the whole thing with with um, Andromeda, them taking people off of a game that could have been great and putting them onto a game that ended up just being not good, you know, Battlefront. Like, I hope they learn their lesson. I hope they they realize the mistakes that they've made and, and give people the Mass Effect game that they want this time. Because I want to see the series thrive. Because if this next game tanks again, it's done. Mass Effect's done. We're done. We'll never see another Mass Effect game again. Exactly. I agree with you 100%. And it also should tie into something, if not Shepard, it should tie into Shepard somehow. Maybe Shepard's child or something like that. Just you know, something that you should go ahead and directly tie into the events of Mass Effect so people can go ahead and continue those fond memories that they have of the Mass Effect series. Yeah, and you know, the the sad thing here is that they have, with Mass Effect Andromeda, they have a bunch of storylines that are still open, you know, and like I, I wouldn't be opposed to seeing those storylines come to a close, but it would have to be done well, you know, it would have to be done and I don't even know if it's worth the risk at this point. You know, they might as well just start it over again. I mean, I've spoken to you about Mass Effect Protocol. That was a great audio series that episodes were made over the many years and it's still not even finished yet. It's on, been on hiatus for quite some time, so I don't know if it ever finished off what they can go ahead and do because they weren't funded or anything like that. We've talked about a formal RPG for Mass Effect and the Mass Effect universe outside of what you can find on the internet that's made by fans and whatnot, it's something formalized like in the, within the realm of a Dungeons and Dragons type scenario and, and things like that. But we've talked about all that for the Mass Effect universe, but the, it's because there's so much there, I think it would be great for some entity like a film studio to go ahead and say, you know what, we want to go ahead and invest our resources into this because it could really be something worth looking into. That was a great discussion, my friend, on Mass Effect. I, I really think that's an idea that I think will go forward or hopefully will go forward at some point in time as far as a money-making opportunity for the box office and video game adaptations. My list outside of Mass Effect, because, again, that was something that's probably the best option out there amongst video game movie adaptations. I'm probably going to say the Bioshock Trilogy. You could probably create something into that. I think there's enough there that you could go ahead and showcase that i put left for dead just because you could probably throw that out there and we've already seen that with zombie movies i mean it's not that hard to make a zombie movie and this would fit it right in so it's really not that much of a stretch right there wolfenstein new order i think that's something that tells a good narrative i think that's something as far as the fact that you know the the what if scenario if world war ii the outcome of that had changed you know, seeing it from that standpoint and having B.J. Blaskowitz go ahead and lead a revolution for freedom and, and liberty that would, would have been a good idea behind that. That could have been something that I think a studio can get behind as well, because as you've seen with the rebooted Wolfenstein franchise, for the most part, it's been a success. The most recent 
game in the Wolfenstein series wasn't as much of a success, but the the Wolfenstein one and two reboots uh, really have done well for Bethesda, and I think that's something that could be translated well on screen. In the vein of like the World War II games, what would you think about Resistance? No, you're uh, talking about Resistance Fall of Man. Yeah, no, that's the one. Resistance Fall of Man. Like, what do you think about that franchise? Maybe being given oh, some yeah. big screen love. Yeah, it could. I could see a success for it. The problem is, and it's Sony. Sony has you know the rights to it. The thing is, they never followed through on it. They did. They lost faith in it rather quickly after a sequel. They they really just didn't finish it out or didn't follow it through. Maybe they'll go ahead and revive it at some point. I think they should because it is a solid game series. I, I enjoyed it when I played it. So I think maybe Resistance Fall of Man could be something that could easily be translated or that concept into something that could make Sony a ton of money on that. A Red Dead Redemption. I think if you want to go back into the old West and tell that narrative with John Marston, I think I know I know you're not the biggest fan of the games. But I think the story, if you follow the story and just watch the cinematics on YouTube and, and watch one of those, you would actually be very compelled to go ahead and say, hey, this could translate well into a movie fashion because the story of John Marston is a very compelling one. And you wouldn't have to go through all those other things that that Red Dead Redemption, the original one, or Red Dead Redemption 2, which is still an outstanding game and something that a lot of people like out there it's a popular series and it can actually translate well onto the big screen. If it were transformed into a modern Western, the last one is kind of a fun one for me. And that's NARC. I don't know if you remember the arcade game, but that would be just something that, that would be, you know, bad bleeping crazy as far as that's concerned for the best, best way I could say it is because that game is, you know, crazy in and of itself. So uh, that would be a lot of fun to go ahead and, and just see the kind of backlash for a movie version of that game, if you're ever to come out, you know, because you know, that's not exactly the most family friendly of video games. There's a lot of video games out there that are not going to be family friendly. You know, the I guess the way would the thing the trick would be figuring out how to adapt it into a more family friendly way. I don't think some guy in an overcoat trying to throw bombs at you, or some guy trying to get on his knee and throw dirty needles at you, is going to go ahead and. I don't know how you could really transfer that into a family-friendly product. I would just go straight R, straight R-rated. Yeah, well, you know what you're getting into. It's kind of like Conker's Bad Fur Day, right? Like you, the whole concept behind it is like, oh, it's a cute little squirrel, and he's he's doing this, this, and this, but they don't realize like what a degenerate this squirrel is. Exactly, exactly. Well, I'll tell you what, everyone, we've got some ideas as far as what we'd like to see coming up in the future, hopefully at some point in time for movie adaptations for video games based off of the success that Sonic the Hedgehog. What are your thoughts out there on video games you would love to see translated into a movie format, just like upcoming Mortal Kombat, Uncharted, and obviously what we're seeing now with Sonic the Hedgehog? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, popculturecosmos, humanity media, and game source on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. If you need your video game fix, be sure to check out Retro City Games. Located in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada, Retro City Games has the cure for all your video game vices. Retro games and games for current consoles, Nintendo, Sega, PlayStation, Xbox, and more. Retro City Games has all the staples from any library and some highly collectible offerings too. So pick up a few games today at Retro City Games in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada. Retro City Games is your video game metropolis. So I ask you, my friend, your thoughts on earbuds, because you know I've been reviewing quite a few of them over the course of the past couple years at popculturecosmos.wordpress.com, ones that have the Bluetooth right in the back, the ones with the collar, you know, other options. But the ones that I've been reviewing recently are earbuds in and of themselves. And that's because the marketplace has exploded due to the success of Apple's AirPods and everybody else trying to go ahead and catch up. Apple's AirPods, which still costs around, what, $130, $150, they're still one of the most popular items that are out there. And everybody's been scrambling, trying to go ahead and have something that matches up. I want to hear your thoughts on earbuds. You know everybody out there is wearing them, but I'm not sure if it's for everybody, starting with you. 
AirPods are stupid. They look dumb. Okay, so as a teacher, right? Like, I there's these kids who like you're not supposed to have your AirPods at school, but they bring them anyways, and they they think that we're all dumb and we don't notice them. Yeah. So these kids like they bring these to AirPods. The fact that it's a wireless earbud has nothing to do with it. It's more the fact that they have the newest Apple product and they're flexing it. You know, and they think that people can't see that's tucked under their their hair or under their hood or whatever it is. But anyways, I see people walking like even just out in public with these things in their ears all the time. You're not even listening to music. You're just wearing it in your ear to say, hey, look, look, I have an I have an AirPod. You look dumb. You look incredibly dumb. Like why? If you're not listening to music, take them out of your ear. Nobody really cares. You know, I see a guy driving a Ferrari down the street and he revs his engine. Nobody cares. You know, it's just it's a it's 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 so what is the word I'm looking for? It's, it's such a, a fashion statement. It's a fashion statement. Yeah, yes. And it, yes. And it's just it's obnoxious. You know, it's like somebody walking around counting money. It's just it's dumb. You know, it just it it makes you look very pompous. And that's the <laughs> at the end of the day, like it's why don't you just you can get an aftermarket pair of wireless earbuds for half the price right like the the airpods are you know my my brother-in-law got a set for christmas and he i want to say they're like they're almost 300 dollars. it's crazy you know there's so many other different brand names out there that are also trying to go ahead and capitalize on the market with high priced expensive earbuds i mean i just recently reviewed if you want to go ahead and check out on the earfund free wireless earbuds i gave that a high score and it's under 50 dollars the earbuds provide a great alternative and obviously something that's very lightweight. And the earfund freeze that I, I recently reviewed, those have been great for me. Had a chance to check out the Helm Audio Truly Wireless 5.0 earbuds late last year. And if you want to check out my review, it's there as well. I gave that a 10 out of 10. So that one is truly a remarkable piece of equipment on those earbuds. And that one is priced in and around the price of the AirPods. But again, you don't have to spend that kind of money. Like you said, half the price, even less, the year funds, which I gave a 9 out of 10, and they're under $50. So you can get great value, and you just don't have to spend that huge Apple price in doing so. But earbuds, to me, are something that I wear only when I'm listening to something. But you're right. It has now become just as much of a fashion statement because you talk to people, and they have them in their ears, and you know they're not listening to anything. No, it's it's a very like they're they're just being very uh, conceited, conceited. Yes, yes. And they're like trying to show it off. Look what I got and look what you don't. What does it matter? Is it so important to you that you look cool that you're willing to go out and spend three hundred dollars on something? Makes no sense to me, you know, and it's just as easy, especially if you're like, well, I'll just get it because I like to answer phone calls without bringing out my phone. What what does that say about people? You know, well, they're, now, they're... I don't mind that either. I'll defend that because sometimes you, you're busy doing stuff and whatnot. So <laughs> I can't say I fault them on that. Well, you know, but if you're spending $300 just so you don't have to reach into your pocket, like what's the point? Like we have these uh, smartwatches are another example of that. Like now there are smart wristbands so that you don't have to rely on your smartwatch to do things. And it's just we're we're getting so lazy. It seems like everything is just another step to not have to do the last thing. But it's three or four times more expensive than the last step for the last thing just for to cut out you know two or three movements of our hand or fingers it's just like you're talking about with the scooters kids on the scooters all the time they don't want to walk anymore so they go ahead and have the scooters so you wonder what kind of exercise are they truly getting when they're just all in scooters all the time exactly exactly you know especially you went from razor scooters to the ones with the engines on them and now no one ever leaves their house so the scooters are kind of going out of business well, that's the word from two old men who are obviously saying, get off my lawn when it comes to newfangled technology there. But I will say, if you want to check out my thoughts on the Helm Truly Wireless 5.0 earbuds, or also as well, the earfund free Bluetooth wireless ear earbuds, go ahead and check out my thoughts on those and many other Bluetooth wireless headsets available now at popculturecosmos.wordpress.com. And I want to hear your thoughts out there. How are you listening to our show? Are you listening to it on a headset, earbuds, out in the car? We'd love to hear your thoughts on exactly how you listen to our show and other shows, podcasts, music. Do you like earbuds? We want to know if you are part of the earbud craze because we know everyone out there 
knows somebody, sees somebody, or is aware of earbuds. So we know that earbuds craze is hot. So let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Before we head on out, my friend, I want to ask you this. Did you get a chance to check out the Stranger Things Season 4 trailer? I did. It was a very short trailer, very brief. Here's my thoughts on it. Yes, it looked cool. What are the Russians doing? The Russians are the bad guy, right? Because in 2020, the Russians are always the bad guy. You know, we don't really know what the Russians are up to, but it's just fun to make them bad guys. Our rival did the same thing. And and it makes sense because Stranger Things in the Cold War where the Russians were the bad guys, you know, and the Americans on FX did the same thing. Let me ask you, do you feel like the, the theme of villainizing Russia has kind of played out a little bit? Like maybe there needs to be new... Not, I'm not talking, I'm not getting political. I'm talking about like in movies and media. But then again, you, you just go to drug dealers. Then that got played yeah, out. Or, and then or you go terrorists. To terrorists. Okay. All right. I, I get mean, it. How many bad guys that are identifiable to a large mass audience do you really have? Yeah. You gotta, in, contempor- you gotta, in contemporary type thinking. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it, it works with the, the setting and the era. All right. No, I get it. But okay, so yeah, they open it up. the The trailer opens up. They're building a railroad, right? And you know it's in Russia immediately because it's cold, and everyone's kind of got their their Soviet Union garb on. They're working on this railroad, and then you see this one prisoner in particular, and you're like, "Why are they focusing on him? He's got a interesting body build, like we've seen him before." Camera pans around. It's Hopper, and they don't give you any date. They just like they're basically just letting you know that he's alive. What we find out, yes, they are filming Stranger Things four. It is happening. We don't know anything about when it's going to be released, but I want to ask you this. Did you get a chance to watch it? I did, actually. I thought it was something very interesting that they would go ahead and show their cards real quickly that Hopper is alive. Yep, Yep. that's what Uh, I was going to say. That's the problem. You and I have. How many trailers do we see these days, initial trailers for big projects? That they already take away the secrets already before they need to. Well, people can't wait. Yeah, I, f- I feel like they they made a, a a brave decision in the end of that show by potentially killing off Hopper, and they were afraid to stick to their guns. You know, they wanted to ensure, let people know, yes, he's still alive, so you can come back to watch the show. People are going to finish it anyways, right? Because season four was supposed to be the last, or is supposed to be the last season of the show. So it's just. It feels like they made a choice and then they they became too cowardly to stick to it. So we'll wait and see exactly when Stranger Things Season 4 comes out. But after a great Season 3, which got me hooked into the series, really for the first time, I am looking now forward to the Stranger Things out there that are coming up in Season 4. What do you think about Stranger Things Season 4, the trailer that just came out? Are you excited for the series still as much as you have been in the past? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. We often talk about what's coming up on broadcast television and cable television and all that, but I know streaming is now such an important part of the equation, and we don't talk enough about streaming because it is now dominating the marketplace. But I want to ask you this, my friend, before we head on out. What are some of the things on streaming networks that you're looking forward to or that you're watching right now? I have four shows on my list right now. One, Ragnarok. I think I talked about this briefly before. It is actually a really good show. It's Netflix, six episodes, not really a big time commitment. Each episode is about 40 minutes, and the last episode is about 36 minutes. So it's not really, you're not sitting there watching like an hour show, but it feels full enough to merit 40 to 45 minutes of your time. It's a different take on Norse mythology that is not Marvel's Thor or Vikings, you know, it feels more contemporary and more relatable. And they just, they put an interesting spin on, you know, um, climate change and all this stuff. Like it's, it's, it's very clever. So I would definitely recommend watching that one. I'm trying to watch lock and key. Did you, have you watched any episodes of that yet on Netflix? No, but it looks kind of promising. I haven't been able to, because there's like a, like you've said before, there's a backlog of stuff that I have to see. Yeah, so I'm 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 like trying to get through Lock and Key. I've watched episode one. I I'm not really liking it that much. Like I feel like they don't know what they want to be. Right. The 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 point between behind Lock and Key, his dad dies, and they move into the his the house, his family house, and there's all these doors and all these keys hidden around the house. You find the keys to open the door, and each door allows you to have take on this different ability. Uh, like for instance, you can travel from one place to another. You can have your spirit leave your body like in Doctor Strange. 
there's one that's like a prison like there's all these different keys all these different doors and it feels like it should be a horror story you know and they the set the set pieces are designed for that but it's not you know and they have an interesting they have a kind of a cool opportunity to, to create suspense and they don't really do that so i i don't know it's just it it confuses me because it feels like it's not quite sure what it wants to be warrior season one you know i i talked about that with you a couple of weeks ago that was probably one of the better shows i've watched in a while and i've actually been going back to hulu and watching letter kenny have you heard of that i've heard of it but have not seen the show okay it's you know it's definitely not family friendly but it's basically the premise of this show is that it's about farmers hockey players christians and and drug dealers all trying to coexist in one town and it gives you this premise at the beginning of every episode and said and here are their problems and it it's it's pretty funny the dialogue is really well written it's really fast so a lot of people might find it stupid because not really a lot happens and i guess in the show and i guess that's kind of the point of it but saw kevin smith post something and like if he gets starstruck over meeting the guys from Letterkenny, you know that they're doing something right so there's there's like seven seasons of it out on Netflix or each like 20 minute episodes kind of worth. I would say they're worth watching if you're into that, into dialogue based humor. But yeah, what are you watching? Well, a lot of the stuff that's out there that I'm sampling a little bit of this, a little bit of that. I mean, a lot of people can hear what I go ahead and root for when it comes to the TV updates that Jessica Bog and I cover whenever she comes on board. But I will say one of the things that I am watching intently is Star Trek Picard, and that's off of CBS All Access. I think that's been a big success so far. They've already earmarked season two for it, so you know it's already getting the kind of numbers that they're looking for. Even though Patrick Stewart is at an age where it's he's slowed down considerably, and he's not able to give you that kind of command performance that he did in Star Trek The Next Generation, or even in the films that took place, some of which in the early 2000s, I really recommend Star Trek Picard as being a show that I think people should tune into each and every week because it's getting more and more interesting where the conspiracy begins and where it ends. How intertwined is the Romulans involved in this plot with the androids side of it, the Borg, how is the Borg relating to it? And we got at the very end, we got a reveal from uh, a character from the past that we are very familiar with within the Star Trek universe. So it's becoming a really great narrative, not only bringing some of those famous characters back, but also introducing new ones. Star Trek Picard is doing something very good for a lot of viewers out there. For me, I'm hooked on it, and I can't wait for the next episode, especially as they retell the events of how Jean-Luc Picard left Starfleet in the first place as they begin going ahead to tell that entire narrative, which I was looking forward to seeing in the pilot episode I wasn't sure if they're going to go ahead and tell more into that, and they are. So I'm liking not only what they're telling as far as the past, but they're also what they're going ahead and telling about what's going on in their future in the universe of Star Trek Picard. So I, I really like it a lot, my friend. It's it's good for me, and there's also other great stuff. We're, we're both waiting for The Boys Season 2, The Lord of the Rings show when that comes out. There's so many other great things. The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, that's always great for Amazon Prime viewers out there. Jack Ryan season two, if you want to go ahead and check out something for the recent past that a lot of people are talking about. So there's a lot of good things that are out there on many of the different streaming formats that are out there. So you just got to find something you like, but there's a lot of good stuff out there, rest assured, which is a problem because it can get overload really quickly. Yeah, you know, and that, that's the big thing with Netflix, right? Like that's what they got to be careful. Of. There's a, a whole ton of content out there, and I don't know if it's necessarily made all in house or if it's foreign studios that are, are that they buy a lot of stuff from but like there is a lot of good shows on there but yeah they have to keep creating things you know i'm curious what the standard is for, for calling something a success but yeah they have to keep creating things that are worth your time worth watching and that's where the trick comes in here because anybody with a camera can make a series these days so it's how do you s sort through all of it you know amazon prime their stuff still feels a little more special because they only release series every once in a while. Same thing with, uh, you know, HBO. And I don't even know what Stars is up to these days. But yeah, it's like you have to be very careful. I'm I'm fearing that this is going to happen with Disney Plus, right? With all these shows coming out, the 
Mighty Ducks and the Star Wars shows and the Honey, I, I Shrunk the Audience shows and stuff like that. Like they're just going to be launching things out one after another after another and becoming what Netflix does. And so these shows, as they come out more frequently, they become less special. But also the fact that you're going ahead and having to choose so many different streaming formats, it's really going to be tough going forward exactly which ones you're going to focus in on because the options are going to be many for at least for the short term whether or not for the long term that's up for debate but even with apple quibi peacock hbo max and so many other different streaming formats either now available or coming up very soon the choices are going to be plenty but also the headaches might also not be far behind so for josh peterson this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day of paradise right here in the pop culture cosmos. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great day. My name is Quoth. I tread paths by moonlight that others fear to speak of during the day. I've talked to gods, loved women, and written songs that make the minstrels weep. You may have heard of me. Join Mandy and her friends as they explore Patrick Rothfuss's best-selling fantasy series, The Kingkiller Chronicle. You can find us at casterquest.com or on the ESO Network. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. TangentBoundNetwork.com Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.